0: Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. The very best of last week's rugby coaching webinars and podcasts reviewed by host Phil Fowellin and his special guests.
1: Howdy, and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. I'm your host, Phil Llewellyn, and this week I've roped in three stallions from the world of coaching. Gentlemen, if you'd like to introduce yourselves, where you're from, and what is your current role? Yeehaw!
2: Coming in hot. Cheers, Phil. Liam Dunseath, uh, originally from Essex, 14 years in uh, television broadcasting, uh, about five years coaching, um, different levels. All schools coach for the RFU, uh, various uh, Level 7 and a little bit abroad in Iran, Thailand and Fiji.
3: Top man, thank you very much. Andy Fragley, uh, Yorkshire born and bred. Apologies if uh, you need a translator. Um, I coach at Harrogate, uh, mainly looking after the second team there. I also coach the uh, Yorkshire Academy PDG under-15s, Yorkshire under-18s County Girls and I'm the Rugby Development Officer for the RFU
1: in West Yorkshire.
0: Thanks, Andy. Uh, Geraint Davis, uh, originally from South Wales, currently uh, lost in Leicester, um, where I'm uh, head of PN Games at uh, an independent school, uh, which I've done for uh, done for five years now. I'm um, I mean, coach at a local club, at level five at the Rugby Club, uh, which I get a lot of pleasure from. Um, and then also work for the RFU uh, as a coach developer um, and as a level three mentor. Um, and I've just finished my level four, uh, amongst other things. Congratulations,
1: mate! Spot on. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, did you hear the one about the cowboy who thought he had a hundred horses on his ranch? When he counted, he only had ninety-seven. It's okay though. He just rounded
0: them up. <laughs> it's very good. It's a very good start. That film. <laughs> that's a ye- that's a yeehaw, if ever I have heard. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's my one cowboy joke. I promise. We're we're good now. We're good. We can uh, we can get past it. I'm gonna run through the format briefly uh, and then we can get into things. So we'll be discussing and reviewing some of the CPDs that have taken place over the last few weeks. There's obviously a lot of content out there currently, so hopefully this will be a one-stop shop for the key points and perhaps some ideas on what to go back and watch or listen to if you've missed out. We've picked out our headline webinar on which we'll all discuss our thoughts and reflections. I have then asked each coach to highlight one of their favorite listens. Uh, we'll quiz each other on what has been learned and how this might be implemented in their own environment. We'll also discuss a completely non-rugby-related CPD and what we might garner from that. Finally, a quick rundown of what the guys are looking forward to in the coming week. Important note, links to all the content we discuss can be found in the blurb accompanying the podcast, so please do take a look. So guys, we'll kick it off. Headline discussion, something that we've all um, either kind of caught up with since, or we were on for, was the uh, the RFU Tuesday training, um, which was led by Stuart Lancaster presenting on his principles of attack. So, Andy, I'll come to you first. Uh, what were your thoughts and uh, and big learnings? Really enjoyed
3: it. I thought uh, Stuart really insightful. I've seen him seen him a few times. Uh, he's been at Yorkshire coaching conference before, and he's delivered a practical session. I've seen him. Uh, do a couple of webinars before. So there weren't anything too, too different, but there were just some stuff that it definitely um, helped to firm and, and just a couple of little other nuggets that I took away from it as well. I suppose one of the key bits that I took out, out from it was uh, the importance of width alignment and shape and how scanning, working hard, working to speed and uh, communicating is uh, how important it is to, for us to be able to get that width alignment and shape. And obviously that's all stuff that happens off the ball. Um, and then obviously the implications that that has for then coaching. It um, made think about some of my actions about particularly how, how I coach off the ball, how, how I might be able to do that better, um, how I can improve that. And especially when I'm working with a group of other coaches as well, which I normally am, is that how we can plan our co-coaching to be able to support some of that stuff that's really important. So we might have someone specifically feeding back on work rate or we might have someone specifically feeding back on, on communication or scanning so just some implications for that were just how, how we can plan a little bit better next key bit takeaway I took away was uh, just decision making is key again how many decisions you make on a on a pitch in a game of rugby is unbelievable linking it to Eddie Jones um, when he, on the webinar that he did on the Tuesday training is that he gives 100% autonomy for his players to be able to make decisions um, I found that really interesting He's there, I like to quote that he said, that he's is, is there to make them do what they don't want to do as players because otherwise they just won't do it and, and we're there as coaches to, to be able to support that structure. And then just thinking about how I can support decision-making, let me think back to uh, Wellington last year, so the, the under-16s academy festival that was there, the, um, they implemented a scoring system um, specifically around attack and it was all around the, the ball player. Um, so if the ball player could show footwork and, and, or a fend or a fight, then they'd actually gain points and that was how the, how the games were scored upon. So you got one point for some footwork, two points for a fend and leg drive or speed change, three points for, the, for a fight, working, working on the floor or offloading, and then four points um, for playing to space or making a line break. And, and just how, how that sort of framework and by playing that modified game and modified scoring system allowed... Those players to be able to develop some of their decision making, especially in attack when they're ball carriers. Um, so I suppose just the, the takeaway for me for that was actually how I can implement uh, some of those scoring systems within within my own coaching, and especially if, you know when we when we're playing oppositions, especially age grade, uh, you know, kind of speak to the opposition coaches. Can we agree? Uh, let's let's score this game on uh, this way rather than. You know, just the uh, old-fashioned way of just scoring tries and conversions and penalties and drop kicks. You know, we we can definitely be a lot more creative around supporting our players to become better decision makers. And then the last bit I just took out of it, um, especially with the Tuesday training from Eddie as well, was just the emphasis on personal development and um, the passion that they both showed. So I, I watch a lot of rugby, but I'm very mindful now that I probably watch it and I don't analyse it enough. And that's definitely going to be an action for me now is going away. Can I analyse more rugby? Can I utilise the resource like coach logic that we've got? You know, we're all able to access that for free for a few months. So, you know, can I, can I be using that to help support me? And can I carry on sort of understanding myself as a coach as well, my own values, behaviours? And that's, that's definitely
1: going to help drive that personal development. Really nice points in there, Matt. I've definitely got a follow-up question to come back to you on, but uh, we'll go to uh, Geraint for his, uh, his thoughts on, uh, on Stuart
0: yeah I really enjoyed it um, i liked the, I liked the manner that he delivered in. I thought he was really positive uh and demonstrated his kind of his love for the game very very honest and very authentic, which is a, a word that definitely stands out for me in the last couple of weeks uh, in terms of coaches just knowing themselves um, and you could see the his his confidence in himself and his belief in himself is is, is great to see and, and I suppose that 's uh that's particularly positive given the you know, the where where he came from with the, with the England World Cup in 2015 and the transition he's made since then. So it was it was nice it was nice seeing uh, that kind of um, that kind of development of a of a coach. I think some of the key things I took from it: knowing your knowing your team uh, and. Using that to find ways to score. I mean, as a as a start point, simply finding the best ways for your team to score tries sounds like the most simple concept in the world, and yet it's it's, it's pretty fundamental. So I was uh, I was really pleased that that was that was right at the start of what he's focusing on. So when it, when it comes to the way that they set up their field, the way that they'll play in against one team or another, it is it's it's adaptable then. I think that's probably, when you look at Leinster and the way that they play the game, that's probably the thing that stands out for them in comparison to a lot of other teams, is that there is no single Leinster the way. The Leinster the way is the way that scores tries. And, and that came across really nicely. It's uh, it interesting when he's talking about his phase play code um, and how, uh, how simple he keeps it for the players and allows them to make, make decisions within that. I mean, that's... That came across really strongly, I thought, and particularly in some of the clips that he showed, um, of some of the training footage, and he talked about different games that he plays, dependent on, on outcome. It's, it's probably quite refreshing for a lot of coaches under, under 10s and and the tens and elevens. You play the same games. You we know, you play you play offload touch and you play retreat touch, and you, it's, it's the same games, but being played with real real good intensity. I, I'm being very aware of what the outcome is, and and that just I came through all the way through his presentation. The, uh every every action is goal directed there's no um there's a there's definitely a purpose very purposeful activity and then being able to transfer that into, into gameplay um so yeah i was uh, it was impressed across the board a lot of things that i just mentioned uh, def, definitely agree with those uh, with those points um indeed using tries as a metric um its again uh, it sounds really obvious, and yet uh, it's it's a pretty good measure of of how your team is playing the game how many how many tries are you scoring compared to the teams and obviously he's shown his graphs of uh of how many tries they scored in certain seasons, mm. and he's measuring a lot of success at the fact that they're scoring more tries now than they were two years ago, and that's that's, that's pretty. That's pretty honest, uh, and it's it's also a, it's, it's quite a challenging target to, to set yourself to be who scored in more tries than your opposition, and indeed more than more than other teams. You, you what we often maybe refer to points. We score points, um, which could be obviously drop goals, could be penalties. Uh, so you really set all solid to to score tries, and I, I thought that
1: was a, I thought that was pretty cool. It's probably slightly concerning for some defense coaches in uh, in the leagues and around Europe at the same time. I would imagine as well. So
0: yeah very much so very much so well they've uh, they've shown evidence that they can play against all the teams and uh, i think that's uh, maybe that when you look at what he's delivered he's he's delivered a lot of simplicity which you know if if it wasn't Stuart lancaster delivering it maybe maybe if it was somebody else maybe the uh, some of the the value of that simplicity would be maybe overlooked uh, the fact that he's He's done it at the top level of the game, won European Cups, won Pro 14s. Uh, it it adds real value to, to simplicity uh, and how, how keeping things kind of really principle-based, uh, the, the value of that. And Liam, we'll jump into you.
2: Yeah, I mean, wow. Is there a more experienced, uh, knowledgeable coach out there of his age that also seems to be as happy as, and, uh, and content as Stuart seems to be at the moment? Gerard just spoke about the, the amount of things that he's won, but he's also, let's not forget the amount of failures, and he's bounced back from that and um, striving to, to improve and get better, isn't he? Look, I've seen a few of his uh, webinars and, and listened to a few of his podcasts, and you've got to ask the question, what sort of three outcomes do you want from any presentation or public speaking or, or anything you present, uh, whether it's a webinar or a speech? And I, If you would liken it to our national broadcaster's mission statement, which is possibly to educate inform and entertain if you can nail all three of those i think you've uh, you've got a good framework to work with so i've broken my takeaways in, uh, down into three sections so the first one is quite simple when i do a webinar when i'm participating or observing as a coach development as a, as a rugby coach i um i use the framework start stop keep so nothing i've made up um a fantastic coach gave me that uh, piece of advice uh, which no name calling no name dropping here otherwise i might get a yeehaw plain and simple start stop keep so i go into every webinar uh with that in mind Uh, my second takeaway would be around information if you look at the amount of information that may have been on that um webinar i would certainly uh, i would say less is more i think we have to layer up the complexity of the information throughout a presentation or webinar and also to summarise in three points. If you look at any webinar or presentation, uh, so presentation in a webinar webinar, you're going to learn things visually, auditorily uh, and reading stuff. Obviously you might write stuff down while, take, while you're taking notes and then by doing, you're going to go ahead and apply that, uh, the things that you've learned and visually is going to be the text There's plenty and plenty of text. Uh, you might learn through stills, videos, symbols, or even icons. So, so there's a visual learning there. Um, now, the glue for me is, is the tone and the charisma. You've got to sell me the idea. You've got to sell me the concepts through, through how you are, your demeanor and your charisma. Otherwise, I'm going to struggle. You've got to sell me that idea. And uh, my third point is uh, I think we need to apply what we're going to endorse. So if we are going to quote these authors, you know, five dysfunction of a team, legacy, sapiens, chimp paradox, whatever, tales of the unknown rugger. I've read half of them. Half of them I haven't read. We've got to apply that to our environment. If we're going to be that ambassador, it's got to be applicable to our purpose. And I want you to present to me examples of how you've done that. How have you overcome conflict of fear, or absence of trust. You can't otherwise we're just quoting um, from textbooks. We've got to make it our own and give examples where people can actually anchor in and relate to that for a narrative. To sum up my three takeaways would be start, stop keep, information and applying what you endorse
1: great stuff guys i 'm going to throw some questions at you, and then i 've no doubt you 've probably got uh, questions for each other on on what the uh, the learnings and things were um, andy so scoring differently in games uh, what what do you think that looks like in in a club environment how How would you actually going kind to of go about implementing that and uh, my initial thought is it's a brilliant principle, but are there going to be challenges for coaches when they're trying to watch everything in a game? How would you have you got any thoughts on how you actually might kind of structure that that different scoring method?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think it's, um, it's it's how you work with your co-coaches, and in particularly in the age-grade game, how you can engage some of your parents as well. So something really simple that everyone uses is just clickers. So you know, can I have one person? measuring the amount of times uh, you know and if we use the Wellington uh, scoring system score for example can, can, can I have a parent that's scoring when someone does a piece of footwork when they're carrying the ball into uh, can can someone score when we see them uh, with a fend and a leg drive can someone score when we see someone fight and can we s- someone make a score or a note when we see someone playing to space or making a line break. So, you know, that can be use of a clicker. It can just be a use of a, a pen and paper, but it's just about using the people that you've got around you and the resources. I'm sure it, the majority of people, if you say, look, we, we're going to try this because we're using this scoring system because we, we believe it's going to help develop the players. You say, you say that to any parent. They're going to they're going to be 100% wanting to support that because, you know, you you're trying to develop their child. Um, so, so I think we, uh, we can just be definitely smart around how we use the people
1: that we've got around us. Love that. Really good answer. Really good practical information. Awesome. Uh, question to all of you, but I'm going to ask it to go right. So how much of the pro level and, and Stuart obviously is, I, I think for me, the best thing about, his introduction was he said he's he's worked from, you know, under sixes, under sevens at West Park all the way through to to international rugby and, and everything in between. So I guess the big question is how much of what he refers to in the pro game is relevant to the majority of us that work in the community game because it was quite interesting for anyone that did see it, the comments on the, the first Tuesday night session. I mean, he had pro coaches in there, but he had mums and dad coaches of under sevens, under eights. So... I'm wondering what, what what are the general thoughts on how we take something that's designed for international quality players and and apply it to a a Sunday
0: morning? I definitely think that's a, it's a challenge. Uh, it's probably not. Um... It's not straightforward in terms of you just you look at it and you think, "Oh, I, I'll, I can apply this to my own environment." There's, there's probably a few steps in between. Um, I mean, uh, I would I would suggest if any coaches uh, in the junior age groups, particularly, are going to listen to it or have listened to it, discuss the concepts with with some of the coaches from your age group. Um, it's uh, it, it can be really challenging. I think one of the things that he did really well is when he talked about the games and he named the games that he played, and in fact he showed them up on the screen. They were they were pretty representative of of what more coaches would play. and he and he, he described them. Um, what he may, what he maybe didn't do as as much job as as maybe uh, maybe could have done when he talked about the different ways to score. I mean, he, he didn't go into much detail as to what he was referring to there. Um, he has done elsewhere. So he was, he's he's talking about uh, kind of if if we need to play an off-road game, we can play an off road game. If we need to play a game that's through, that's through the middle, uh, pick and go style rugby they have nailed that. Um if they need to play a kick orientated game. And I think that's what he was alluding to with, with the Scarlets example. They showed the Scarlets played a, in that season played a 14-1 defence, um which created loads of space then in the backfield. So there they then planned plays to manipulate the backfield and then, then to be able to kick across and I think that's that's relevant to 14, under fourteens and the fifteens coaches. I think that uh that, that that concept is 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 fairly fairly straightforward. Um so I think there was there was definitely a lot in there that can be applied fairly directly, uh, regardless of the level of the game. But some of the bits are probably going to need some some uh, some support and coaches. I would I would strongly suggest the coaches uh, do what we benefited from in the last week or so. Speak to each other in your age group from you know, on a Zoom chat uh, and just talk through some ideas as to you know, what what can we do? How how could we score tries? Kind of under, under 10s and the tens and elevens and. What, what does that afford to you? What 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 are our players like? Um if we've got a, a bit, really big strong team against us who so are like a fantastic tackler as well. How are we gonna how are we gonna work that? I think that's I think he's he's probably spawned a little bit of thought in people's minds that they, they can they can maybe look outside the box a little bit to see how they can score. So yeah, definitely relevant to audience groups but probably needs some um, some collaboration amongst coaches to really think it through and see what they're gonna apply those big takeaways that's let's, let's let's plan
1: our co-coaches and, and plan the content I guess so I know I know you guys are going to talk about that a little bit later which ties in with a couple of other uh, other webinars and things which is nice so I think just on that Phil.
3: one of the big things for me is that you know Stuart opened up about speaking about your on-field and off-field philosophy as well and you know a lot of a lot of Stuart's uh i 'd imagine that some of a lot of his values and behaviors would relate around work rate and working hard, and you can you know you can see that in his in his principles and what he talks about and I, and, um, I think that's really important when he said that is that spend some time understanding yourself in terms of your on field philosophy and your off field philosophy because your your off field philosophy should shape ultimately how, how your team plays on the pitch his off field philosophy would be his values um his behaviors uh, everything that sort of uh, the stuff that's important to him. And then the on-field stuff would be more related to strategy, how we plan to play the game, how we're going to try and play. And ultimately, I think how you, what your off-field philosophy is should help shape what your on-field philosophy is as well. So if you believe in work rate and you know, you're know you dedicated and that's part of your off-field philosophy, that's going to transfer to your on-field philosophy as well. And you can see that with, with how he speaks and how he coaches. You know, he's famous for his uh, his sessions being so high intensity, um, and I, and I think that that links to links to his philosophy and his his underpinning values and beliefs.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important on uh, on that intensity that it brings the sessions. I think. Um, there's maybe a perception the coaches need to, to stand back and, and watch uh, and they don't, they don't get too involved in a session, uh, which you will definitely do for parts of sessions. Um, but you watch those guys coach and they are they are bringing intensity to the sessions uh, and they are unapologetic. Uh, I mean, think there's, there's a lot lot to take from that. Um, there's there's moments where you'll stand back and there's moments where you'll be quiet uh, and you'll just observe in silence and you'll allow things to go on. Um, but there's moments where you'll 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 bring some fire to the session, uh, and you you'll really drive standards and, and drive intensity. And I think um, with his because he's pretty authentic, he's uh, he, he doesn't he's not afraid to to bring that across in, in what he does. And uh, even the video clips he showed, he was, he was pretty heavily involved with, with what he was doing. So uh, yeah, pretty pretty cool approach.
1: Liam, how would you apply some of the things he was talking about in in your kind of current environment or your next coaching environment? What would that look like to you on the grass?
2: He did his own work on Toulouse, didn't he? Let's be, uh, let's be honest. He was um, really excited about how Toulouse attacked. So if I was going to have a takeaway from that, I would certainly um, look at the, how we could improve our defense uh, to counter that. You know, I, I've been spending um, some time pen to paper and uh, throwing around my ideas to various coaches online, uh, people I know personally, always welcome feedback and it's, and then it's back to the drawing board. So for every attack coach out there that has, uh, thinks that they've nailed it, there's always a defence coach around the corner who's got a, a better game plan. As long as I and, and everyone else uh, continues to, to remember that, you know, it will only help grow the game uh, and, make, and make that better. So I would uh, certainly look at how we can improve our defence to counter to lose, which uh, I'm sure he, he's done, but obviously couldn't um, share with us for, uh, for obvious reasons.
1: I I really like the fact um, and all credit to the RFU that they've got him back on in two weeks time, I think he said, to, to look at defence. So, yeah, the, the fact that it's not necessarily a defence coach coming in to, to offer a different side of the ball, but he's the head coach. He, he's got to be coaching both sides of that and everything in between, I think is really nice. And it would be a great question. I'd love to ask him is, you know, how would he beat his own team? So is, is he... Is he setting his D up in the way that would stop his own attack, or is that just all about everybody else? You know, what, what's the balance then of of principles or process, and and what that looks like in their environment? So, uh, yeah, a couple of weeks' time, we'll uh, we'll hopefully get a, a good opportunity to to sit and discuss that in some detail as well. Uh, gents, we're we'll moving on. So keen to get uh, your insight into. Um, Possibly some of the the other content that's been around. There's a there's a heck of a lot of stuff out there. So actually, this will be good to to quiz some people on and uh, give us a little bit more detail. So Geraint, we'll come to you first with uh, with your other content for this week.
0: Yeah, there's been there's been loads of those. There? We are spoilt for choice. Uh, the one I've gone for is Warren Abraham's, um, and he talked about great practice design. Uh, particularly the sevens game, uh, I think applicable to the 15s game definitely, um, and definitely applicable from kind of your mini and juniors all the way up to uh, up to the top level. Um, I thought his uh, his his clarity of message was really cool. Um, he talked about some of his uh, coaching principles. And he ta- also talked about the principles of play that they uh, they engage with, um, and I just I liked some of the uh, some of his uh, terminology and and vis- uh, visual stuff around that as well. Um, you talked about his uh his, his philosophy of of play um i'd like to use an example of the spanish steps uh, it's a pretty cool concept so uh, he showed a picture of the spanish steps uh, as a as a kind of a visual the, the this part doesn't change our, our principles are are always our principles these these are, these are rigid um and they were attack space support and underscore um with a an overall uh, aim of scoring tries, which uh, kind of linked a lot to what uh, Sue Lancaster was saying, um, and I, and everything was built around them. The entire hour and hour and thirty odd minutes was uh, was based around those concepts, and every practice came back to them. Um, and that it just reiterates I suppose, how how important it is to know what's your objective as a as a group, what's your what's your philosophy as a coach, um, and then that guides your practice design. So. He talked about attacking space, um, and then used some nice examples uh, of opposition that they played against, and showed showed some clips. Um, one being the uh, a team sort they played against Russia uh, when they hit centre field, Russia had a habit of overfolding, so uh, going around the going around the corner without maybe looking up and seeing what's in front. So they pre-planned a play to hit centre field and then throw the ball back in, kind of ten metres to the left of the, of that wreck, and there was there was a hole there, um, and they scored from they scored from that exact that exact play pretty much exactly as they anticipated um, but exactly to their principles so attacking space they knew, they knew where it was uh, they found a strategy to do it they planned their support as to uh, kind of who would be where uh, and running into score um, and they've been they aimed to score within two phases um, and then the practices that he showed were, were all geared around that so kind of high intensity uh, offload where possible keep the ball off the ground um, if there's opportunity to run and score, Go for it. I mean, no, no holding back, and and that uh, that definitely came across in the, in their practices. Um, so uh, obviously they're going to be pretty fit. Um, we talked about uh, a lot of their lot of their practices are geared around getting enough meters covered, so GPS monitored, which is a luxury. Um, but looking at in a how how long a session we need to be, and they they estimated a thirty minute session with very very few breaks in play. But with 90 second intervals was gonna be appropriate to get the, the meters coverage that they that they needed. And so that that was a bit of detail was was, was pretty cool that they'd uh, they weren't thinking about you know, how many sprints do we need to do in our session. They're thinking about it within gameplay, how can we how can we achieve this objective? Um, and it's, it's probably the first time I've heard about a you a coach talk in, in that kind of detail um, as to how integrated their that approaches. Another thing that picked up uh, was was his coaching principles, um, and he put it into the acronym PLAY. Uh, so the the P was, and he had four Ps, so that's definitely cheating straight away. Um, he talked about being positive, having purpose, uh, problems, and prepare. So um, positive in the way that way that he coaches, and and he definitely came across like that. So uh, a tendency to pick up all the good um, and not not dwell on the kind of the errors that are being made, um, kind of look at opportunities instead. Uh, Always have purpose for your sessions, and that came across in his practice design. Um, so really focused on why he was doing what he was doing. Uh, And if you felt that a practice wasn't achieving the purpose, then it's not good enough. Um, and and I think that I think that was that was a pretty pretty cool mindset. Um, and then he talked about uh, his L was was, uh, love and learn. Um, so love the game, uh, love what you do, uh, and show others that you love what you love what you do. And I mean, on a on a Sunday morning, uh, when it's freezing cold in January, I mean, how, how many of us forget that? Um, kind of coaching, I would, under our under twelves, uh, you've got a you've got a tough tough week of work. Just remembering to kind of demonstrate that that love for what we do, and uh, and we have got that thirst to learn. He talked a lot about um, showing showing that he was vulnerable, uh, and showing that he there was things that he didn't know. And show when he made mistakes, that he was he's, there's some vulnerability there. Um, but he was desperate to learn to put that right. And yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, and then the A was adaptable and always be curious. Uh, so be be a, be prepared to change what you do. Be be prepared to I've had the plan and then have to throw it out. Kind of a nature of a service tournament, uh, which I'm sure many many junior coaches can relate to. Um, you you know you're the festival. Uh, you've got to play a game. And you've got to change on, on the hoofs and then just just before the next game you, you lost you lost two players and you've got to try and put something together and so that's yeah, I thought that was pretty applicable all the way through. Uh and then his why was uh was why. So that again is cheated, but I quite like the creativity of it. Um so kind of why do I do it? Why why am I coaching? And that and his his why was to inspire and develop people. Um and I like the people bit. Um the I think that that small nuance is is pretty important Uh, rather than players focused it's people focused and um, it's easy to talk about that but uh, I think having good relationships with his players was it was clearly a central point of what he did so uh, yeah clearly if by the length of time i have just spoken uh, i enjoyed it a great deal i, I took a lot from it
1: I, I thought he delivered it really well ju- just his manner if, if anyone listening has come across him you'll know that that what he says is is very very much what he does he absolutely lives and breathes it so i guess my question on that is is how important do we feel planning is uh, if you're a you know, a junior coach, and you've got a full-time job, and and you're coming in on a Sunday morning, or a, a Tuesday night, or a Thursday night, or something like that. You actually, is is planning something a lot of people do, or do they have time to do? And actually, what's the what's the impact maybe of of not prioritising planning? I'm always a big one saying actually, you you've got time, you've just not prioritised it, and that's absolutely fine. But I, I do wonder whether that would remove potentially some of the frustrations that, that people get or have with coaching actually, if they planned a little bit better and, and then, you know, adapted and changed that nearer the time. But I'd be interested in what your guys' thoughts on how, how important do we feel planning is?
0: Yeah. My, my, my perception is if, uh if, we can help coaches, the Minion juniors' age groups and we 're definitely all the way through actually uh, it would be to help them find strategies to plan um Warren talked about the fact that he uh he, a lot of his planning is in his head he doesn 't write much down so you know <laughs> and that works for him but he 's pretty uh he 's pretty focused in on a particular role, so maybe there 's not so much maybe there 's so much distraction maybe he, he can he can survive with that. um some, in fact, I was in a discussion the other day with coaches talking about kind of best ways of uh, of sending information out. And when personally, I, and I've I've probably been this way for a number of years. I write it down with a pen and paper, um, and it doesn't matter how scrappy that piece of paper is. It doesn't matter what it looks like, uh, or whether it's just pictures. And um, I honestly feel that I deliver better sessions when I, there's some form of planning, there's some kind of intention as to what I'm trying to achieve, and as you say, that allow for kind of change along the way as well.
3: I've heard a, a quote, and it might, not be. it might not be quite right, or I've written it down, but a plan is useless, but the process of planning is essential. And I think that's the thing, is that saying this is exactly how I'm going to do it, that's, you know, no, no plan ever survives uh, its first meeting with the enemy, but the actual process of going through the planning and thinking, well, what might happen if this happens, or what might I do if I see this, is, is, is crucial. So I think you've you've got to have you've got to go through the planning process, but don't be too worried about what the actual plan that you've got is and what it looks like. Just the mm-hmm. fact that you've gone through gone through it, started to think about what could happen, what might happen, and then what you might do off the back of it. For, for me, is the real important part.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dwight Eisenhower, 1957, New York Times. By the way, that, that quote. Oh, is it? Um, <laughs> Just just roughly. <laughs> um, I think good good knowledge. That, that's
3: definitely a yeehaw for that knowledge.
0: <laughs> 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 you can Google that one. Uh, but I, I think the concept is absolutely smack on. The, you, the plan that you got, clearly it's not going to run like that. Um, but the fact you've got the plan allows you to adapt. Uh, and that, that, that goes for on-field stuff as well. I think uh, having, having intention and what it is you want to achieve, being goal-directed in, in your behaviour, allows creativity to actually just to to blossom uh you'll get you get loads of ideas from it but because you've thought about it before uh, and just be open to i think probably the worst the worst sessions we'll ever deliver the ones that are over planned um to the point where there's there's no possible room for flexibility uh and you just assume that it's going to go that way well it don't work like that. Is it? This is the reality of uh, of coaching at every single level.
1: Um, Andy, we'll stick with planning because I know uh, your your webinar was uh, was a kind of a planning based one as well, a little bit different. But if you want to introduce that,
3: yeah, no, mine was the uh, the Magic Academy webinar with Danny New coming at all. I'm cheating because it's probably a it's a couple of weeks ago now, so it's not one that's massively recent. But it's still able. Uh, people are still able to watch it on uh, Coach Logic. <laughs> a, uh, there we go, I've been waiting that for that all day. We're waiting that was for a that. Job, <laughs> yeah, just, just some of the some of the takeaways for me. We're just thinking about as, as soon as you start to plan, you you're planning based on your previous experiences, and then you and then you're starting to imagine how you think it will go. And I, I suppose you're already forming a bias towards that session. So how how can you plan? to be flexible and to be free and, and so that you are able to adapt y- your session. Um, I suppose linking it to uh, the webinar with Eddie as well. He, he spoke about um, training being representative of the game and how many activities of each type there are. So we know if we've got six line outs in the game, why you know should training involve six line outs? If we've got four scrums, let's involve four scrums in training. Um, so just making sure that whatever your practice is that it's, it's representing the game because ultimately we want play, people are going to get better at playing rugby by playing rugby. A big one for me and then it left me thinking about it, it takes longer than you think uh, for, for, uh, for transfer so for learning to transfer and it just got me thinking about how we can almost measure some, some learning outcomes potentially. Uh, how, how we might put some in place, how we might plan those learning outcomes uh, and, and make sure that they're measurable so we can see if there is some learning taking place. My three big takeaways from it um, would be plan for interaction as well. So I think I think coaching, it's massively psychological. Um, it's about understanding who your players are and their wants and needs, especially if you've got a group of coaches understanding, right, well, which person might be the best person to work with? With, these, with this particular group or this particular person. Um, you know, we talk about coaching on the run and a lot of one-to-one feedback. And I think you can plan your co-coaching around that. That doesn't mean that's exactly, you know, this person's going to say this at this moment. You know, that's actually, there's, there's, some, there's some shape there, there's some plan in place. Uh, so a big, fun, big thing for me would be planning uh, planning for interaction and especially utilising co-coaches around that. My second one would be planning coaching behaviours in detail. So I think coaching behaviours is a really interesting one, you know, thinking about some of your house skills. So do you use freeze frames? Do you use rewinds, et cetera? Do I change the scoring system? Actually understanding rather than putting them in place, this is how the session is going to run. Have it, again, having that understanding. If I see this, this is what I might do. Or if I, if I see this, then this is what... Uh, this is the behaviour I might uh, use then. But and I think with that, then you've, you've also just got to have an awareness of your observation bias because, again, as soon as you start to plan, you, you're already forming a, forming a bias almost. And, again, just can we, measure, can we measure that learning? So a really good example, again, just link it back to the Wellington uh, scoring system that we use. If, if we use that scoring system for a number, of, a number of weeks, a number of games, actually, would we be able to see some transfer from training to the games? we'd definitely be able to measure that and see whether players are getting better are they getting better at fighting are they getting better at sorry, not not fighting are they getting better at defending are they getting better at using the footwork and then are they getting better at fighting on the floor to be able to get the ball back to the, their team
1: Freudian slip of the insight into the Yorkshire off field program they were just scratching Well it, at the time apparently. It's, fri- it's, fr- it's, fr- it's Friday night isn't it so you know <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say there are some set-piece coaches hating you right now where you've just gone, hold on, we can only have six line-outs and four scrums. They're like, no, I need an hour. Like, I have to have an hour for a hundred line-outs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting off, off that, actually. The, um, listening to Ian Peel's a uh, uh, couple of days ago, when he talked about set-piece, that, that was, that was, I know this is definitely going off-topic, but uh, linking into set-piece to set piece and how many of those interactions you have within the game, Uh, it was interesting seeing it from a forwards perspective and just how realistic they made it i mean how how game related they they made what they were what they were doing um so that's definitely worth picking up on but uh i think if anyone's going to watch this uh the the ed hall you've just been talking about um if there's if they've only got 10 minutes listen to that uh ed hall's introduction where he talks about the kind of philosophy behind planning as you say the the planning for interactions that's uh I think that's a master stroke. I mean, that, that alone was a, was a huge takeaway for me. Just when I, I now think about the way I, I sit and plan my sessions, at no point have I sat and planned how I was going to engage with my players, uh, where I was going to stand to make sure I can engage, rather than like, what's my rules going to be? Uh, what, what happens when a touch is made? Um, which is important, obviously. Um, but maybe more important is how can I, how can I manipulate my own behaviour? To mean that we can we can interact and that I can engage with the players on a, on a different level so yeah really really cool thing to pick up on it looks loads of coaches will spend time
3: planning planning this practice structure and actually what the activity is going to be but how much do the plan do they think about how they're going to deliver it you know what, what their behavior is going to be like um, and I think yeah that's just it's, it's probably more important in all honesty than actually what the structure is and what the activity is that phrase can be almost the building
2: blocks of your, uh, of your culture. So those uh, planning for those interactions, those interactions are either gonna enhance or erode uh, that relationship with that individual.
0: Yeah, very true, very true. It's, um, it's something I've definitely not paid enough conscious attention to. I mean, subconsciously, you're, you know you're going to be dragging the players. I mean, it's, it's, it's part and bit of a session to do so, but I mean, you, you could conceivably go through an entire session uh, with your kids or with your adults uh, and only talk to them to give feedback, to ask questions, to explain the rules of an activity with actually not a huge amount of other uh, really important interaction of how you're feeling, how you're finding this, like you, uh, how, how, how stressful was that last week we did? That, that looked quite tough. I mean, just even thinking uh, a little bit more detailed about you know, the the cultural aspect of it, of really understanding your players is... In sessions, a pretty pretty cool time to really get a, a perception of how they feel and how they think. Liam, we're going to come
1: to you. So I'm keen for this one because I I didn't didn't see the uh, the one that you're going to discuss. Go, uh, was it Razzy Erasmus? Wow, similar to to Stuart. You know what a tough job
2: in terms of delivering to a virtual audience. Um, there was a little bit of Q and A towards the end, which was uh, you know I just love had that interaction. For me, it was the three things was were how it was packaged together. Um, the manner and the character in which he delivered it in and the, the messages that he gave. I mean, this guy absolutely smashed it. There was text, there was graphs, there were visuals, there were videos. There was even a poem, mate. <laughs> you know, the guy chucked a poem in his presentation. World Cup winner. I mean, it just shows what fantastic, engaging presentation this was. Without a doubt, that, that was my, my number one. Uh, this week, if not in the last five weeks, and they talked a lot about. Uh, he talked a lot about alignment uh, before the World Cup and how they had their predetermined idea of of what they wanted to achieve. and And before they could achieve anything, uh, they wanted to get everyone aligned: coaches, academies, players, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, management, backroom staff. So that was really interesting to me. Never thought of it like that. And how they looked at the concepts sort of. Uh, the external signs of what a winning team looks like as opposed to an in- internal so they could build up a, uh, a sort of focus on on expectations so that was cool uh, i loved his manner i mean you've got the guy drinking a pint of beer during his presentation it just shows how human this fella is and it doesn't have to be all scripted and all corporate like there's a few out there but just shows that the man is the same as us same as me and you, probably never meet the fella, but that I was really, really warm to, to his manner in that respect. Not only that, his character, I've written down some notes and it's almost like the five, F, five F's, you know, he came across as friendly, he came across as fatherly, he presented in a funny way, uh, he came across forgiving in some of his videos, fierce. Um, it just shows all the, all the colors, all the emotions of the spectrum that I think you need to be as a coach. You know, you can be a really knowledgeable coach or a really compassionate coach. I think you have to cover all, all those. And um, you know, the Rainbow Nation, well, he's got the rainbow of skills and uh, attributes as a World Cup winning head coach. But the message he gave um, in terms of players that give sacrifice, players that are determined, players that work hard and then the circle that where a player becomes entitled, feels that they become entitled. So he said, that's a normal process. And uh, it's natural. It's, it's having the willingness to, to change and to be aware of how you can uh, come out of that cycle because it's only a natural cycle. But just really, really interesting. Those three points, you know, as I said, um, how it was packaged together in the actual presentation, the manner and the characteristics and the messages that he gave. Really, really enjoyed that one. I'll be chucking in a few poems in my next presentation, I think.
1: Look forward to that. What's the, what's the one practical takeaway? What, what would you actually implement on the pitch? Give me Give me one thing. In training? Uh, yeah, training or the environment, on or off the field, up to you. I mean,
2: he, he ended, he, I think it was towards the end, he ended with a fantastic video where they, they, they spoke about failure uh, and they spoke about the, the challenges that they were going to face against England. I don't want to spoil it. But he said, it's OK. You know, it doesn't have to look rosy. It doesn't have to look beautiful. And we, we've heard loads of guys in this country um, say, you know, if, if a training session looks uh, beautiful and, you know, uh, everything's hunky-dory, then it's obviously the players, have, the coaches haven't been challenged enough. So, um, so they left the session where it was a little bit gnarly and a little bit bitty and possibly a bit ugly. So uh, my takeaway is to, to apply that and, and, you know, five to nine uh, to say, enough's enough um, well well done You worked hard let's get in let's uh, call it a night
1: I love that I have a real issue with this just one more because we didn't quite finish on on the perfect you know perfect play or the perfect run through or the and, and i mean yeah uh, that that really really grates me sometimes and and i can understand why players want to want to feel good whether one you know one final run really does add a huge amount to your confidence on a saturday or a sunday i'm not necessarily convinced but i also do wonder if you finish on a bad one does that maybe give you even more motivation to to start the game positively and and implement so yeah that that's yeah I'm definitely going to have to think on that and uh if if Razzie's saying he's happy to leave sessions with a with a bit of um yeah a bit of niggle or a bit of uncomfortableness, comfortableness then uh, that's that's good enough for me.
0: I, I watched that uh that, that video it was it's was, it was pretty cool it's pretty pretty honest. Um I think uh, the the what Liam's talking talked with the the cycle the, the cycle of play goes through. Um I mean we can all relate to that and I I love the fact that he uh he made it acceptable. He made it okay. To be that because the the young young papu was really really driven desperate to get be successful, the young professional who's trying to make their way and make their mark, uh, then the professional who becomes entitled and um, and you you think you made it uh, and you just think everything's going to come your way, and then the experienced professional who gets out of that uh, and just embraces the fact that they're you know they're a role model and uh, and they got to they're never done they got to push on and. Um, making that acceptable. I mean, it's, it's probably the first time I've heard a court really put some detail on just what 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 is not normal to us all. But we're all all experienced. Um, actually, you, you get out of it. I mean, you, not everybody gets out of it, maybe. Um, but if you're aware and if you're if you're determined and you're professional and you buy into that culture, you you will you will pass that and you'll be better for it. Um, and it's is a part of your development it's not something you want to skip really i mean it's it's just something you you go through and you maybe you appreciate uh the value of not behaving in an entitled way because you've gone through it so yeah you really did make it okay provided you push on and you become what they would determine as a springbok
1: so i'm going to throw one in so this is kind of my non-rugby related one so this this did actually come from rugby ontario
0: but it is
1: uh it is kind of applicable to to any sport i guess so it was part of their research to practice webinar series uh, with Amanda Vizik, uh and she was basically discussing her Fun Maps research. So key learnings. It was actually just really awesome to to listen to an academic talk about research talk about how the research was conducted and the process behind that and and then how they get to the outcomes which isn't you know you can spend time looking at research and reading papers and i there's a there's a big translation part for me that i can sit and read something with lots of very big words that i need to google to to understand but this was really clear really concise so they their study has basically come up with uh they've identified 81 fund determinants, and then they've arranged these into 11 fund factors. So I won't go through all 11, but the top three are trying hard, positive team dynamics and positive coaching the, the really really interesting bit for me was actually how she talked about the language of fun and that a lot of the time it, it's maybe considered this kind of fluffy free play no coach interaction type stuff and actually if you then start to definitely even if you just look at the top three but if you look at all of the 11 fun factors she would she would actually be pitching this that that is in a nutshell effective player development if we engage these players in what they consider to be fun, so trying hard, that that, that could be a really physical hard session where we're, we're working on skills and decision-makings. That's what players find enjoyable. That's what they're saying is that is actually trying hard was the number one response. So, it doesn't need to be laughy and jokey and playground-esque, I guess. It, it, it's actually player development or fun can be one and the same. They can be very different if we wanted them to be, but she is saying actually what players are identifying. And this was in community players as well as kind of pathway players. It's an American study, so they, they don't kind of define it as pathway, but they that's, that would be the equivalent here. And, and she was just saying they they are effectively one and the same thing, which was just a really nice take on you know is it fun or developmental is it fun or winning well they they all they all become part of the same same process were were there any factors in that field
3: that you thought uh maybe i don't see that much in my coaching i'd definitely like to try and
1: implement that more and how we might do that great question i I mean i'll run you through the others so learning and improving games practice team friendships mental bonuses game time support team rituals and swag so I, I just think, swag. yeah, that's a great one, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Tell us more about swag. Really... <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say the, the big one for me, and I had a great experience with the the BC uh, under 18-7 squad when I was in Canada recently, and we just had a real opportunity when we were away at some of the tournaments to actually, for them to spend time with each other and, and developing those, those relationships. And, and even those relationships with me, the feedback afterwards was, and it's very difficult when you go into a rep programme you're just delivering sessions but maybe my my kind of reflection on that was I should have found time within the time we had just sit down and off the field and spend more time with these kids rather than just I've got a rugby plan I need to get the rugby element in bang 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 rugby 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 well if if they don't know who I am and they don't understand me and I don't understand them and and there's not a mutual respect well are the messages being absorbed in the way I'd like, I'm not sure. So, yeah, I think the, the team environment and the, the connections that we build with the players is, is probably the biggest
0: one for me in terms of a, a kind of a personal work on. Um, what have you uh, read up on since, Phil? Uh, you said there was some, uh, th- th- was there any words in there that you, uh, that stood out and you thought actually I'd like to know a little bit more about that? No, because she presented it and words I understood. That was the
1: important bit for me. So I, she's sending the papers out. So when I get to read the papers, then I can come back to you and say, I didn't understand all these words. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely come back to you with a list a problem. <laughs>
0: Yes, yeah, so it's I mean that's pretty cool. So. Um I think there's there's probably a lot out there that maybe maybe appears not as as accessible as it might be. Um so it's 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 good to hear that somebody's managed to to pull it off uh, in, in a really positive way. Um I think uh, Rick Shuttleworth did uh did one today for uh, Skill Acquisition Island. Um, and it was uh, it was outstanding. Uh, it's it's my it's my top one so far. Um I think it's uh, I think it's, it's it was very good. It was very, very theory heavy. But I would, uh, I would hope that people would go away uh, and actually look up some of the concepts because uh, there's, it there's it a, there's a fine line, isn't there, of, uh, of simplifying something and losing its meaning. So it's, uh, I'm definitely gonna pick up the one you just mentioned uh, and and and, see, and try and try and see what I can glean from that. Great stuff
1: so we'll we'll turn our view to to next week uh guys what what kind of you signed up to at the moment what are you what are you looking forward to hit me with some of your uh your big ones for the coming week
0: uh, I'm, uh what i'm probably most excited about is thursday at 2 p.m it's a, it's a coach logic one uh thursday at 2 p.m called uh seeing through the eyes uh, of a coach analyst delivered by a very tall welshman uh who lives in leicester uh <laughs> and that's uh, that, that's that's where my attention is going to be uh, for the for, for every moment from now until two pm on Thursday.
1: So you you basically just use this podcast to plug your own stuff. That that's absolutely that's a absolutely. That's a yee-haw, that.
3: that's a yeehaw <laughs> If ever I've heard of one.
1: <laughs> <Yeah.
0: Yeehaw!
1: laughs> Liam, what are your uh, what are your uh, webinars and uh, podcasts and stuff for this week? Well, mate, I'm thinking I might have a week off. Oof.
2: That would be a first in my lifetime, wouldn't it? Um, listen, I want to uh, go along the shameless plug as, uh, as Geraint there, as uh, we've got a um, fantastic webinar coming up on the 5th of May. Um, Tongan assistant coach, Grant Duray. So uh, he's going to be talking about um, the Tongan journey and how they uh, used their uh, warrior identity uh, in their defence, as their narrative. So, um, really, really, really excited about that. Andy, what are
1: your, uh, what are the ones you're hitting up this week?
3: Uh, I can't plug myself, unfortunately. So, uh, one, one that I'm gonna, one that I'm gonna get on is uh, Friday, uh, at two to three p.m. Uh, there's an I-co, I-coach kids. Um, it's, uh, it's called Talent Development Systems friend or foe. Uh, it's going to be a guy called Professor Kev Till uh, from Leeds Beckett who's delivering it. Uh, he's done a lot of research in the past for the RFUM and for World Rugby as well. Um, and he, you know, he's, he's able to put it uh, across for, to practitioners really well. Um, so I'd definitely recommend getting on that. And then the uh, podcast that I'm going to listen to this week is uh, the High Performance Podcast, which is Jay Humphrey and Damian Hughes. Uh, and they've got Tracy Neville on. So that's, that's, uh, that's my two for this week.
1: Love that. You didn't plug yourself, but you did plug Yorkshire and, uh, and Leeds, mate. So there, job, job done. You've always got to go with Yorkshire, trust in Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my two, uh, Magic Academy on Wednesday. Uh, Rusty said it's a special guest, so, um, but I said I'd plug it anyway, so he, he definitely owes me 10% for that. Um, and just a little bit different, the the BC Rugby Union, I really like the idea they're actually running a ladies who lead series. So it's actually player-focused, so they, they want to get a, a load of uh, female players from any age on. Um, it's actually three three a.m. in the morning UK time on uh, on Monday, but uh, it will be available on the playback. And it's uh, Heather Wilson Banks, who's a former Canada Fifteens uh, captain, and she's actually captain of the fire brigade, which um, I think would be would be pretty interesting to to understand their kind of leadership models and uh, and how she manages within that environment as well so hopefully some uh, some good stuff for people to pick up on and i'm, I'm sure there'll be a, a ton of others that we can uh, we can add to the list as well so i'm going to round up the roundup so i uh, really hope that you found this useful thank you to my three guests for their excellent insights As I mentioned earlier, links to all the content discussed will be shared in the blurb of the podcast. Uh, Please subscribe, like and share with anyone you feel may benefit from this. And as we ride off into the sunset, I'd like to wish you all uh, the best and stay safe and go well until next week. Cheers, gents.